we're kicking off this um, year. Um, and really tonight, I just wanted to kind of, I guess, um, do a little bit of an introduction on our theme for this year, um, uh, which is abiding in his love. That is kind of the theme that will run through our year. And what I thought that I would do is just kind of give you a bit of an honest look into how the stirring for that um, topic came up in my life. I feel like sometimes when people say, oh, like the Lord told me or, you know, I had a leading to, to do this. Well, what does that look like? How do you, you know, I didn't get skywriting on that or it really came about from a process with God in my own life, probably over about the last six months. Um, and so I just thought that I would share that with you about how did how did the Lord get my attention on that at a, both a personal level, but then feeling that that was something for us as women this year to explore together. So I realised that for everyone, our experience of the lockdown and restrictions that we experienced last year in 2021 are going to be very different. And there's going to be some things that are really, were really good for you, some things that were really difficult, and that is definitely the case for me around that 11-week period. But there was a really significant gift into my life from that season, and that really was the gift of space and time. For those who don't know me or my situation, I didn't have little children at home. I have four daughters but I only had two at school last year, a year 12 and a year 9. And so in terms of their home learning aspect of things, they were fairly um, self-sufficient. And all of the things that would normally take me out of the house early in the morning, like a boot camp that I'm part of and that sort of thing, that wasn't happening. And so I found that because I am a really early morning person... Um, Instead, I had this incredible amount of time every morning where I didn't have to be out the door to get the girls to school. I didn't have to be out the door to get to boot camp and then home again and all of those sorts of things. And so the fruit of that time for me personally was quite a significant growing in my closeness and my intimacy with Jesus. And I found that I had room in my life for daily practices that just increased my awareness of him and my love for him. And um, again, those of you who know me well will know that I'm usually a really sporadic journal user. I love the idea of journaling, but I'm not very consistent with it. Um, I've kind of found a rhythm that works for me now, but it still means that there's not a lot written. But in that period of time, I just really found that I was, I just had so much more time to reflect. I was asking God lots of questions. Um, the scripture was just really coming alive to me in ways. And I just was filling my journal with questions and thoughts and I mean I love reading back through that at the moment and just seeing what God was doing in my life and I there was just I wasn't looking at my watch thinking oh okay I've done my half an hour of time with the Lord in the morning it was just like an hour or two hours would just go like that and I didn't feel like it didn't feel frenetic or forced I just felt like I simply wanted to be with him and I was really aware that he wanted to be with me. And, I mean, I would love to say to you that that is my normal, consistent life. But 
that isn't the case. Like it felt like something quite significant and specific in that season for me. And so then what happened is, of course, lockdown finished and it felt like, I don't know if it felt like for anybody else, but I felt like I was catapulted back out of lockdown into really what was a very hectic kind of end of the year. And you get this distinct shift in what's going on in my journal at about that time. And I exchange all this lovely, deep conversation with the Lord in my journal for oh God, I'm so distracted. I don't know how, I know, I know I can't live in lockdown, God, but how am I supposed to stay close to you in normal life? Like, I don't like this. It was like I tasted something and I really wanted it back. I just wanted to go back to that. And I kept just to saying to Justin, who's my husband, maybe we could just have a lockdown for four weeks every now and then. Like, maybe, maybe we could just kind of like, just declare it's lockdown. We're having a lockdown. Um, and I just share all of that with you. I guess I want to be clear. It's not like it's not like that looks like that all the time for us, does it? Like, like let's be honest. That we've. I hope that we've all had times of tasting and seeing the goodness of God in a really tangible way. Um, but we also have times as followers of Jesus where actually it doesn't reflect that idyllic closeness with him. And we really have to choose to pull our history with God um, into our present and remind ourselves of who he is and what his character is like. Um, And to remind ourselves of that even because we can't see it and we're not feeling it. And um, so I guess I want to be clear. It's not like we get to necessarily live like that all the time. But really what I noticed from that season of closeness with him is this growing yearning and hunger to be more consistently close to him. Um, And it was really from that place that I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit in my own life, but because I've been... um, bombarding him with questions about what does this look like how do I how do I do this I feel so distracted but I don't want to be distracted and I want to be able to choose you over those distractions that I felt him bring to mind the phrase that you find in John 15 about abiding in his love And so this year, I guess that's what I felt for my own life personally, but for us as women, is that we would give some space to growing together in learning from each other, uh, because not one of us has arrived, um, encouraging one another to stay close to Jesus in spite of lots of distractions in all of the different phases of our life when there seems to be lots of room for him and when it actually feels like it's tricky to find space to have that time and closeness with him. And you will hear me use the phrase a lot in my own life of what does this look like? I feel like it's a life question for me. I'm quite a practical and pragmatic person. And so I don't want to just talk about lofty ideas of abiding with Jesus. What does that look like for us? What? How do we practice that in our lives? 
how do I put that into practice in my life? How do we do that in all the different seasons of our life that are represented here? Like no one of us, ha- us has the same life. We, are all, we all have different lives. We have different seasons. We're in different commitments we have. Um, but I do believe that if Jesus issues an invitation to abide in his love, then there must be there must be um, a way for that to happen in our lives because he doesn't just issue empty kind of instructions to us without there being um, a practical application. And so we will look at over this year various aspects of what it means to abide in his love and how do we do that? What does it look like to abide? Are there practices in our life that can help us to abide? But tonight, really, what I wanted to do was to start with a bit of an overview. Um, And it will be a very familiar place to all of us that we're going to start this evening. And, I mean, obviously will be our key text to keep coming back to over this year. Um, And that's, of course, the Gospel of John. So if you have um, a Bible with you... um, you're welcome to turn there. We're going to camp mainly in 14 and 15, um, but I will do a little bit of an overview for you. And I would really encourage you in this um, section of um, John's Gospel and these conversations that he's having with his most intimate disciples to, to spend some time there this year, reading back through these passages, even if they're really familiar to you. Um, and just um, allow the Lord to talk to you and to minister to you from them. But, I mean, what we have here is really Jesus's significantly intimate conversations just with his immediate disciples. Um, for those of you who perhaps are less familiar with the background, this is really the, his last night with his disciples before um, he heads for trial and then his crucifixion. We're not going to have a look at this this evening, but um, again, I would encourage you to read back into chapter 13. And so chapter 13 of John, we have Jesus washing his disciples' feet. But there's a whole lot going on in that section um, or his time with his disciples that it's at least important. Thank you, Rain. Um, to bring to our attention because I think it sets the scene for what's then coming up. So we have Jesus washing his disciples' feet, but in amongst that, we also have the disciples being made aware that there's a betrayer in their midst, one of their very own. Um, We have this growing, you know, not just out there awareness, but in the pit of their stomach awareness of what Jesus has been trying to tell them for a little while now, which is that he's going to leave them and he's going to suffer and he's going to die. And so there is, I, th- I think the fear in the room must have been palpable. Like what must that have felt like for them? This is not what they ex- expected. It's not what they anticipated. It's definitely not what they wanted. And so the setting of that, to understand what distractions are going on around them and the uncertainties that surround them at this point is really important when we then start to look at 
um, chapter 14. Within the midst of chapter 13, we've also had Peter being told that he's going to deny Jesus, that he's actually going to say, well, no, I don't don't know him. He he doesn't believe Jesus at this point, that that's going to happen. But there's a whole lot going on there that's enough to really unnerve this group of men who've spent over three years with Jesus. And um, so we pick up in verse 14. And again, I'm not, I'm not going to read large slabs of scripture, but we have Jesus here at the beginning of chapter 14 with all of this background, lovingly reassuring them. And he says to them, let not your hearts be troubled Believe in God, believe also in me. And what we're going to have a look at now is um, this section that is filled with Jesus' reassuring of them by giving them both promises and instructions. And we're going to just pick up two promises and one instruction that he gives them that are relevant for us as we start this process of looking at abiding in him. So his first promise, don't let your hearts be troubled, and this is why. Because in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that. I always want to sing the Colin Buchanan song with this bit. Um, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. So remember, they know he's leaving. There is this sense, this sinking sense that they are going to be on their own. And he says to them, well, no, I'm, I'm going back to my father's house. But in his house, there are many rooms. There is a place for you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And the word, the Greek word that's used um, for place, for room, for house, for dwelling is mone. And mone means it's a place that you abide in. It's an abode. It's sometimes translated mansion. But it's a place that you dwell in and you stay. So he's saying to them, yes, I'm going. But I'm going to my father's house and I'm preparing a place for you. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to where I am. So the first reassurance that Jesus gives them, the first promise he gives them to reassure them is this future hope. There's this eternal home. You are going to get to be at home with the Father. I'm going to prepare a a place for you. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he goes on to say to them. I am the way for you to come to this place. And we, as believers in the Lord Jesus, receive exactly this same significant promise. We have an eternal hope and an eternal home. We can remember that what surrounds us right now is not all there is. That Jesus has gone and he has made a way, prepared a room for us, prepared a dwelling place for us in the Father's house for all of eternity. And so he reassures them that there's a place for them, a home for them. And that has to be reassuring. But the thing is that he doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says to them, I need to go back to the Father. It's actually going to be better for you if I go back to the Father because then the Holy Spirit will come and he is a helper. He is the spirit of truth. 
and he will be with you forever. So what he's basically saying to these disciples is, yes, there's all of this uncertainty around you. Yes, I'm going back to be with the Father. But number one, there's this eternal hope of a home. But also between this current reality that you're living in right now and the future hope of abiding in a dwelling place with the Father is this second promise. And that's the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And what we read in, um, in chapter 14 um, from verses 15 onwards, where Jesus talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He says to them, yet in a little while, the world will not see me anymore, but you will still see me. Because I live, you also will live. He goes on to say that um, the helper, the Holy Spirit will make, we, through the Holy Spirit, we will make our home. Same word that he talks about when he talks about the Father's house where he's making space. He's now bringing it into their present reality. We're going to make a home in you and with you now. And so he bridges this gap between this future hope and brings to them an immediate hope that there's going to be home, a home with Jesus right now, not waiting until eternity, not waiting until the end of this life, but in the here and now, through the presence and in, in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we will come and make a home with you. And then Jesus concludes this promise with these words, um, in, verses, in verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Again, he repeats himself, Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so I guess the first thing that I just wanted to draw to our attention out of this passage today is this sense or these two promises about home and dwelling, that word mone. And isn't that the longing of every human heart, a place of safety and shelter and belonging? And Jesus is saying to his disciples, and the same promises are there for us. Not only do we have an eternal home with the Father, but in fact, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we are at home right now in Jesus. He has made his home in us. There's this mysterious words that he repeats in this passage where he, he says, you know, I am in the Father and the Father is in me and I am in you. We are brought into this sense of home, into dwelling with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So there are our two promises that I wanted to just remind us of this evening. And then the one instruction. And that comes um, in chapter 15. Jesus prefaces this just towards the end of chapter 14. He says to them in verse 30, I, I'm no longer going to talk very much with you. 
And I kind of imagine that as him almost giving them the heads up. You know, I've not got very many more words this side of the cross to say to you. And so I want you to lean in and listen carefully. In the same way as if we were spending time with somebody and we we knew that these were some of the last words that they were going to speak into our life. We would listen and we would pay attention. And so Jesus is saying, "I've, I've not got many more things that I'm going to say to you now. So lean in because these are some of the last words that I'm going to speak to you. And then he paints this picture of a vineyard. He goes straight from that into saying to them um, this, this parable or this picture of the vine and the branches. And then in the midst of this picture of the vine and the branches, he issues this instruction. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. And just as exactly like I was saying before, I love, what does this look like? Well, he gives them a what does this look like? Just as the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So he's giving them this picture immediately of what he means by abiding of just like a a branch of a vine can't live separate of the vine, neither can we live separate from him. And that word for abide there is meno. And meno is actually the root word of um, monet. And so whereas monet is a noun, so it describes a place like a house or a dwelling or abode. Meno is like a verb or an action Um, to that word and so what it means is to live to stay to dwell to take up permanent residence and to make your home it means to remain where you are and it has within it a sense of enduring of remaining of staying Um, and so Jesus is saying to them in this word, abide in me. Like this is an action, it's an instruction that he's calling them to. But it's much more than just a physical position. This word is used, um, John actually uses this word a fair bit in his gospel. And it's, it's, not, it's not just simply used as a physical position to place yourself into a home or into a dwelling. It's actually used most often in the context of relationship and fellowship. Um, and so really Jesus is saying, abide in me, re- remain in me, commune with me, stay close to me in, in relationship and um, Then there's this picture again of the vine and the branches. He is the vine. We are the branches. That life flows from the vine to the branches. That the branches get their identity and their potential for fruitfulness from the vine, from being connected to the vine. They can't do anything if they're separated from the vine. In fact, it goes on really to say, this is the Catherine paraphrase, but basically any branch separated from the vine is simply firewood. But to be a living branch within the vine we are to abide we are to remain we are to commune we are to stay close and so in this 
passage of scripture. Really, there's so much in here and I hope that's what we're going to dig around in um, together this year. But we have these clear, clear promises that there is a home for us, a safe and secure place of belonging to Jesus that has been prepared for us both in eternity and right now because he has made his home in us and with us. And then this instruction or this invitation to abide in his love, to dwell, to remain in him and to make our home and our habitation with him. And we're, this year we, we will explore that, what practices help us remain in Christ and his love. How do we choose? The, the questions I've got written all through the end of my journal from last year, how do we choose him over every other distraction that vies for our attention? Um, how do we nurture fruitfulness in our lives to bear fruit for his kingdom that will remain? Like these are all important things as followers and lovers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I guess this evening what I wanted to start with um, is rather, focus, rather than focusing ourselves on outcomes, I want to focus us first on that yearning to simply be with him. And rather than focusing ourselves with hyperactivity and a sense of wanting to be productive, even if it's well-intentioned spiritual activity, where we try and be fruitful in and of ourselves and through our own striving and ability, rather than it as an outworking and an outflow of him being in us and us in him, that, it, that instead... Um, this evening, we would start from that place of we just, we hunger and thirst, Lord, to be with you, to be close to you, to be connected to you, to abide in you. Because we remember, Lord, that apart from you, we can do nothing. And actually, apart from you, we are not home. That it is in in him that we find our home, our belonging, our security. And it's in him that we find life. And I just, as I was um, preparing for this evening, I just had two things on my heart that I just really wanted to do before we finish for this evening. One of the significant promises that Jesus talks about to his disciples as he's reassuring them amongst all the distractions and the, um, the difficulties that are just swirling around them and preparing them for what is coming ahead is this promise of the indwelling, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And um, as we start the year looking to... Um, respond to this invitation to abide in him, um, I would just really love to pray for us for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Um, he's our counsellor and our friend. He is the spirit of truth. He's the one who brings to our remembrance what Jesus has said. We, we cannot 
um, live this Christian life without him. And the scripture talks about how we're to be filled and refilled by the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I would just really love to pray for us. Um, and I guess what I would like to do is I was feel like it's good to just posture ourselves before the Lord because it's a receiving. This isn't something that you um, get to whip up or um, strive for. This is a receiving of the, 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 the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives afresh. And um, so I would just really love to invite you to stand if um, you're willing to do that this evening. Um, and... Uh, We're just going to respond to the Lord and welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit and lay before him our desire this year to be uh, abiding in him and close to him and thirsting after that closeness and connection. So Holy Spirit, uh, you are already here. You are in us and with us. And what an incredible gift and a promise you are to us as followers and lovers of the Lord Jesus. And just like we can hear the sound of rain this evening, Lord, we just welcome the rain of your presence in our life. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and fill us afresh with the oil of your presence just soak into us, bringing refreshing and restoration, even stirring up, Lord, a passion and a hunger and a yearning to abide in the Lord Jesus, to know him more intimately and deeply this year. Would you create a, a thirst in us, Holy Spirit, for more? And we just want to acknowledge that it is our desire this year to respond to your invitation to abide in you. We acknowledge, Lord Jesus, that we don't make that happen by any effort. We We are a branch in your vine. And we want to make you our home and our dwelling place. And Lord, I, just, I do just feel to pray, Lord, this evening, Lord, just for anyone here where they've just felt a bit discombobulated. They just, they feel a little bit set off to the side, Lord. Maybe it feels a little more distant, that sense of you being home for them. And I ask, Lord, that you would meet them tenderly and bring your comfort and your peace and that you would reestablish, Lord, 
that sense of you being home. That we belong to you. That in you we find our sense of belonging, of who we are. Lord, would you strengthen each one of us? And Lord, um, between now and when we meet again next month, Lord, I just really pray that as we spend time in this passage of Scripture that you would be speaking to us. We choose to open our ears and our hearts to you, Lord, for this year and um, trust God that the good work that you've begun in us that you will bring to completion. We ask these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.